Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you. Thanks for coming. I have a very old stuffed animal here. This is one of my kids' stuffed animals. It's been a favorite of hers her whole life, always carrying it around when she was little. Now, I want you to imagine that, let's say, when she was two or three years old, she loses this favorite stuffed animal. And everybody else celebrates. How do you think that would make her feel? If a little kid, yeah, sad, right? If a little kid is super sad about losing one of their favorite things and all the people in her life start to celebrate that she lost her stuffed animal, that would make the loss of the stuffed animal hurt even more, wouldn't it? In a few minutes, we're going to hear Jesus teach his disciples about what was about to happen to them. They were going to become very sad. They were going to become very sad because he was going to die on the cross for the sins of the whole world. And when Jesus died, people were going to celebrate. There were some people who hated Jesus that much that when he died, they celebrated. And that would hurt Jesus' disciples even more as they already were, were, were suffering mourning, grieving that that he had died while others celebrated. The pain only intensified. But Jesus then told them something amazing. The very thing that would cause their suffering and cause others to rejoice would then cause them to rejoice. It's an incredible thing that we have a hard time understanding because this story does not work like that. If you lose your favorite stuffed animal and other people start celebrating, there's no way that that person who is so sad is going to start celebrating because they lost their stuffed animal. That makes no sense. And yet Jesus says that's what's going to happen. And that's what has happened. The thing that caused the disciples um, suffering, their sorrow, Jesus' suffering and death, the thing that caused the world to rejoice would later cause the disciples to rejoice. And you see, it's the same cause of sorrow, Jesus' cross, that gives us the greatest source of joy known to mankind. The peace with God, the forgiveness of sins, is the greatest gift that God has ever given to us. And today, as you listen to the sermon, we're going to talk about what a wonderful thing it is that Jesus' cross gives us joy that no one can take away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your grace is something that we cannot comprehend. It is really, really hard for us as we chew on the source of our sorrow, the source of our suffering, sin in this world, that you took it on yourself, that you suffered it, that you endured the the, the pain of the world's sin. That, That makes us sad to see. But it also brings us great joy as we learn of the forgiveness that you have won for us. Open your eyes Open our eyes to see the the, the peace that you have given to us, that we may see you for who you really are, our Savior and our King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The portion of God's Word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Jesus says, In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while... You will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more? 
But then after a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. May your ways be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. Amen. I want you to consider something maybe a little more current for you than a lost stuffed animal. I want you to bring to mind the the time of your most intense grief. We've all been there. We've all experienced those moments when the tears just flow and the the pain is, is heavy on our hearts. It's a it's a silly story to to tell a kid. Can you imagine now if if you lost your stuffed animal and everyone else celebrated? But now think of it in context with whatever's in your mind, whatever has caused you great grief and suffering in your life. Can you imagine if people actually celebrated that? And it could be a a lost loved one, maybe a daughter, a, a son, a spouse, a parent, but let's, let's use something a little less emotional for a minute. What if you had a job that you just loved and you really enjoyed your coworkers? You lost your job, and as you were walking out of the office, everybody celebrated. So glad to have you finally gone. That's what Jesus tells the disciples is about to happen to them. You will grieve, he says. You will weep. You will mourn. And the world will rejoice. An incredible thing that Jesus tells them they're about to experience. An intense pain. But then there's that beautiful good news at the end. But your grief will turn to joy. mentioned at the beginning of the service, it it might sound kind of strange to us that we would jump back into these teachings from Maundy Thursday after we've spent so much time building up to Holy Week and then given a a service to each day 
Why are we jumping back to, to Monday Thursday again? Well, well, again, it's because Jesus did so much teaching that evening. So many of his words recorded for us are recorded from that one night. And here he helps his disciples and us better understand why this all matters so much. Why Easter matters so much. He begins by, by using this, this line that's very repetitive in the text, right? In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And you can just picture what's happening amongst Jesus' disciples. One whispers to the other, do you know what he's talking about? I don't get it. And it just kind of moves around the room. From one disciple to the next, it becomes pretty clear. None of them have any idea what Jesus is talking about. And he sees the commotion amongst them. Remember, this is all happening in that upper room while they're sitting around the the table eating the the Passover meal. Jesus is teaching them as they eat and the, the whispers are running around the table. Jesus sees what's happening and he asks them, you want me to explain to you? And of course they say yes. And then he does. In verse 20, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And soon, very, very soon, they would begin to understand what he meant, at least by that first part. This is important for us to remember, that the time frame. I think sometimes being so distantly removed, we forget how quickly this all happened. They're sitting around the table, and then mere hours later, they're in the garden, Judas betrays, The mob arrests. It happens like this. Jesus is saying, in a little while, you will see me no more. And he really meant, in a very little while, you will not see me like this anymore without marks where the nails will pierce me, without a place where the spear has pierced my side. You will not see me like this very much more. And you will mourn. And that mourning was only intensified. Now, if you, as you follow the, the timeline through, just a few hours for most of the disciples, John would end up at the cross, right? John was the one who was there. That was less than 24 hours away. John would have heard the mocking of the Jewish leaders. Listen, he's calling Elijah. As he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Ali, Ali, my God, my God. They mock him. Listen, he's calling Elijah. Let's see if Elijah comes to help him. As Jesus endures hell, they mock. They rejoice. That would have only twisted the dagger in John's heart. Do you think he failed to mention that detail as he went and told the rest of the disciples what had happened? Jesus is telling them what's about to happen, but they very soon will experience exactly what Jesus meant. That as they weep, as they mourn, as they grieve, it's going to be intensified by the celebration of the Jewish leaders who wanted nothing but to get rid of Jesus. And as they see him hanging on the cross, mission accomplished, he's out of their hair. They no longer have to worry about the masses following this rogue rabbi. They can follow them again. 
It wasn't long until they understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. But you'd hope that in the back of their mind, there was this reminder, this good news that Jesus had given them. Your grief will turn to joy. And notice Jesus says, will turn into joy. It's not that the grief is going to fade away and then be replaced by joy. No, it's the very thing that caused your grief will cause joy in your heart like you've never experienced before. And Jesus uses this picture of a childbirth to explain what he means. All the mothers here can can relate to this. You, You know exactly what Jesus is talking about. We use the word delivery when referring to the birth of a child for a reason. The mother is actually delivered from her anguish. She is delivered from her suffering when the baby is delivered, born, right? Jesus says, just as the very thing, the very child who causes the anguish, causes the joy. The same thing that is causing you to grieve, the same thing that is causing you to mourn, will flip and bring you great joy. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And no one, no one, will take away your joy. So the question is, when exactly would that happen? When exactly would the grief turn into joy? And I bet that a lot of us would think, well, Easter. They see Jesus alive. And then the grief would turn to joy, right? But could we really say that on Easter, the thing that caused their grief was then causing their joy. No. What caused their joy on Easter? Well, it was the fact that Jesus was alive, of course. But what caused their grief? It was the suffering and death of Jesus, and that was not yet causing them the joy that God promised it would. The proof is at the ascension. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and Jesus' disciples say to him, Lord, are you now at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Even 40 days after Easter, they still didn't really understand the point of, of Easter. They thought Jesus came back to life to establish a kingdom on earth. They still didn't quite get it. But Jesus, just three verses before our text, in John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, tells us exactly when their eyes would be opened. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. When would the disciples finally see Jesus? was at Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit would open their eyes to understand the scriptures and to understand what Jesus' death and resurrection meant, then when they finally saw Jesus for who he actually is, that 
is when the thing that caused their grief, the cross of Christ, changed and was now the source of joy that no one could take away. Some people wonder why Lutherans do things the way they do. There's usually a good reason. This is one of the reasons why we follow a church year. There's different kinds of church years and there's different readings for different Sundays of the church year. And even though we might all celebrate Christmas at the same time and Easter at the same time, you might see different churches focusing on different parts of Scripture during those times. But there's a reason why we continually follow the same order every year. Because during Holy Week, we get to relive this. We get to relive the grief that turns to joy. You might remember when we gathered here on Good Friday, the the white ribbons on the cross were all red. And many of you took a nail when you came in and and you brought it up here and and you placed it in the cross. A reminder that it's my sin, your sin, that put Jesus on that cross. The reason he suffered hell, the reason that he endured the Father's wrath, the reason that he died is because of me. It's because of you. And that should cause us sorrow. As we sing the the sad songs, as we're reminded what it was that caused Jesus to suffer, to die, it should cause us to, to weep and to mourn and to grieve. But the Holy Spirit shows us why through God's word. The Holy Spirit points us to the love of God that kept Jesus on that cross. Not the nails, but the love that he has for sinners like you, like me. The Holy Spirit is the one who, through his word, opens our eyes to see Jesus for who he really is. And when we see him, the crucified and risen Son of God. When we see him for who he really is, the thing that causes us great sorrow, great anguish, changes. And it causes us the most unthinkable joy. Because the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see that Jesus' cross means peace for you and me. Jesus' cross means all of our failures are gone. Jesus' cross, his suffering, his death, it means that our relationship with the Father has been restored. The pressure is not on us. The burden is not on us. Because the burden was laid on him. He bore the weight of our sins. And now those sins are gone. And every year we get to review and relive the source of sorrow that turns to joy. And one day, perhaps someday very soon, we will see Jesus and he will see us. The glory that the Holy Spirit reveals to us through the word, we will see with our own eyes as we stand in God's presence, whether it be when these bodies fall asleep or when Jesus returns. But one day, In a little while, you will see him. You will see him with your own eyes. And it will be the cross of Christ that will make that the most joyous thing ever. 
Because the glorious one, the crucified and risen King of kings and Lord of lords is your brother. You are at peace with him now and forever. That is joy that no one can take away. Amen.